The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey, greetings, everybody. Hope you're doing all right on this day. Coming up on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit, we're going to take a look at one of our nonprofit sponsors of this program, Samaritas, and what they're dealing with in the COVID-19 crisis. There is a whole lot happening out there for the populations that they serve, whether they be children in foster care, seniors in adult facilities, uh, new citizens. There are so many different things and services that they provide that are all being impacted by this right now. We'll find out what kind of pressure they're under and what they're doing about it coming up on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Univox Business Phones. Keep your business running from anywhere. We're here to help with custom promotions and solutions tailored to your needs. That's Univox Business Phones. Hey, Craig here. Thanks for joining me for the show today. I really do appreciate it. So joining me today is Kelly Dobner of Samaritas. Now, Samaritas, of course, is a sponsor of this program. We do appreciate that, but we appreciate more of the work that they are doing in our community, especially in these incredibly trying times. They deal with a number of populations that are being impacted by the COVID-19 crisis, whether they be seniors, children in foster care, new citizens to the United States and refugees and people who are trying to resettle. There is a lot that they are dealing with, of course, in times of tight budgets, a lot of uncertainty, and of course we use that word quite a bit these days, but there is a lot of stuff that they're trying to get done and make sure that the people that they serve are healthy and cared for. So joining me right now is Kelly Dobner of Samaritas. Kelly, welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much, Craig. Always fun to talk with you. Well, you know, I, I thought it was valuable to have you on the program because Samaritas, and, and I should be uh, clear to everybody, you do sponsor this program, which I appreciate very, very much, but you guys are working with a number of populations that um, we've talked a little bit about as, as part of this coronavirus crisis, but perhaps not as in-depth as we should be, uh, and particularly vulnerable populations. And we'll start, why don't we start with seniors, because there has been a lot of discussion about nursing homes and what's going on there. And I want to get a sense from you as to the challenges you're facing right now in dealing with this population. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, uh, that is a population that we have a lot of a lot of concern around. Um, we care for thousands of seniors across Michigan in a skilled nursing facility capacity, memory care, assisted living, and independent living, as well as affordable living, um, and. All of those populations are certainly impacted in a dramatic way during this time, but they are, the care and procedures around each one is a little bit different considering that the environment in which they live. I will say around our skilled nursing, because that has been probably our most prevalent population as, as it relates to COVID-19, um, I'm excited to see the rhetoric changing in the media and beyond around the attention that that audience really needs. Um, 
you know, it, there was a lot of negative press around it early on around the spread of, of COVID through those, these facilities. Um, and now I'm excited to see that things are, are, are more positive. I call our skilled nursing facilities really the second front line of COVID, um, requiring the same procedures uh, to care for folks because they are being infected. It is easily spreadable and we need to protect our residents and our staff. So it's been a real struggle to get the amount and the types of personal protective equipment that we need to properly care for the, the wonderful seniors at Samaritas. And I'll tell you, we've, we've seen some amazing generosity from corporations, um, in some cases, the, the, the county governments in providing that PPE because it's absolutely vital for everybody involved. Um, and so that, in addition to the social, the social isolation that comes with this sheltering in place that everybody is dealing with, our seniors are no different, maybe even worse. And so being able to equip them with the iPads and connective devices that they need to connect with loved ones and family members during this time is tremendous in their state of being, their outlook, their mental well-being um, through this very difficult time. So those, you know, besides our, our regular infectious disease control measures, which obviously have been taken up to a, several more levels, um, those are really the biggest areas that we have been focusing on in order to keep our seniors safe and and mentally healthy through all of this. Well, you, know, you mentioned, of course, uh, staff and, and some of the steps they're taking to make sure that people uh, in your facilities are connected to family. You know, the lack of visitation from family in these facilities, it makes total sense. It has to be done. But it almost seems as if not having family come to visit, that puts an extra burden on staff because oftentimes family coming to visit will give that staffer a, a respite from a patient who may not be the easiest to deal with at times. Um, and now basically they're put in a position where they're handling this all the time. Uh, talk a bit about your staff and what they're dealing with and, and how they've responded. That's a great point, Craig. You're absolutely right. We have some of the best staff around. It is an honor and privilege to, to be able to work with them. Um, they, are, they are so giving and, and their pa our, our patients and our residents are their number one priority. And in a time right now when you're juggling so much personally from kids being home from school or sickness within your own family, your own well-being, um, all of that aside, our staff has just completely risen to the occasion like they always do. And, and are putting that, that first. And certainly Samaritas is behind them and providing the supports that they need so they can thrive in both environments. But that extra care for our residents by our staff is, is imperative. And, um, and it's without question that our staff has just gone in and, and taken care of those things um, without, without ever being asked. So beefing up our staff um, and, and the people that we can have on staff to have more of that one-on-one -on -one care because it's critical. Um, right now, you know, seniors aren't eating together, you know, as one example. And so, and they're not congregating together like they used to, to play, their, to play games or build puzzles or just have a social hour. And so you're right, that, that burden, if you will, if you, if you call it that, um, 
really does rely or rest on our on our staff to to meet that need and and i'll tell you for for many of our staff if not all because i've heard so much wonderful feedback about that that's the highlight of their day that's why they come to work it's for that interaction it's for that walking through this part of the life's journey hand in hand uh, no matter what the circumstances um, and making sure that they are connecting through through those through those devices as well as that quality time well, you know, we've sort of seen a, a redefinition of of what constitutes essential workers, right? Uh, and and we've seen uh, people acknowledging uh, the role that teachers play and that nurses play and doctors play. Uh, obviously, senior care facility workers belong in that conversation. Are you seeing sort of the uh, the narrative shift on just how valuable they are? Oh, definitely. Oh, I think so. I think so. The outpouring that we've seen from from our communities that we touch and beyond has been incredible. It's been overwhelming. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to see that, that change. And, you know, we, before COVID hit, we were already in a caregiver crisis. We didn't have enough people going into nursing or, or being certified as a SENA or, or anything in that industry. And so this is really, well, it's been a taxing, a taxing piece of that, um, I think it's drawing more people into the industry. They're feeling that appreciation. And I'm, I'm hoping on the other side of this, with the, the whole integration of telehealth and telemed as well to assist in caregiving and ease that burden a bit, um, I think that we're going to be looking at a different industry altogether once we get through this crisis time. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, like I said, uh, it's it's amazing. I've learned just a ton since of my own family situation uh, about the work that goes into this and, and gained a completely new appreciation for it. Uh, and and I, I got to ask you, you know, just sort of about some of the concerns that people do have. I mean, some of the patients in these facilities are going to have to be hospitalized if they indeed do contact the coronavirus. Maybe they recover. And if they do, uh, what precautions do we need to take to make sure that the people in these homes are safe? Because sometimes the best place for them may be back in the facility uh, that they were living in previously. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We at Samaritas set up early on uh, special COVID wards, if you will, of our of our communities to make sure that staff and residents were safe to be able to do just just as you said. It's so easily spread. Um, so we, we, we made sure that we were set up for that um, early on, not only for the patients and residents that live with us um, that might have contracted it um, at that time, but for those incoming patients. You know, we are partnering and working with our, our hospitals um, to take COVID positive patients when they are in recovery mode in some cases. And so making sure that they had a safe place to recover and not impact uh, other people is vital. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Kelly Dobner of Samaritas. Uh, we're talking about how this nonprofit has been impacted by this and, uh, and how the, you know, the, the various uh, areas that they operate in are being impacted by this. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about foster care because this is something that I don't think has gotten a lot of attention uh, throughout this crisis. 
this is a system that you know constantly is is moving chess pieces around the board. You've got people who are in temporary situations who are maybe uh, in those situations longer than they anticipated because of this coronavirus crisis. Uh, you've got situations where placing people might be more difficult right now. Uh, and in some cases, those kids are at risk. Uh, talk a bit about what's happening there and, and how we can minimize uh, sort of the disruption there. Right. That, that is true. And I know, as you said, we haven't heard a lot about it right now, but we're, we're going to. Um, you know, May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And May 7th was uh, Foster Care Awareness Day in Michigan. And Samaritas is at the forefront of leading that conversation, bringing the, the importance of that awareness to the, con- to the public conversation, um, into public conversation, I should say. Um, you know, we are the largest private nonprofit uh, organization delivering foster care and adoption services in the state, taking care of about a thousand kids every day. And even with that, in pre-COVID conditions, we could only take 35% of the kids um, that were coming to us that needed a foster family. And so before all of this, the need for foster parents was tremendous as it was. Since this all started at the beginning of March, let's say we have seen a decline in kids coming into foster care. And that is because people are sheltering in place and only the most imminent uh, dangerous situations that kids are in um, are, are when they're being removed from their homes. And because people are sheltering in place, um, there are less people, reporters in the community. Those are teachers, doctors, neighbors, anybody outside of the normal household walls that would be able to identify potential cases of abuse and neglect to get Child Protective Services involved and and then certainly come into care with us. That's not happening today. We also know, though, that home is not always the safest place for kids to shelter for all of those reasons. And so once the state starts opening up again and Um, and we start getting those reporters back in the lives of of children, we are preparing with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, as well as our other other, uh, nonprofit organizations in this space, to prepare for a surge uh, of foster care cases. Um, We know that 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 is going to happen, and so we need to prepare today to be able to have enough foster parents ready and available to take these children into their homes. Um, and, 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 you know, as in preparation for that, Craig, I'll say Samaritas has gone completely uh, redesigned our foster care recruitment and training, you know, just because COVID here doesn't mean our work has stopped. And so trying to be as nimble as possible in offering online orientations, uh, home visits, visits with birth parents during this time so kids aren't getting that second sense of abandonment when these face-to-face visits right now are not possible with their parents is, is critical. And so, uh, so we're, we're redesigning it so we can still be doing the work that we're doing in preparation for this surge. Well, and, and I also want to know about those kids who might be aging out of the foster care system at this point in time. Um, you know, maybe they have to stay in a little bit longer, given that there's not exactly a lot of places to go. Um, it's not exactly as if there's a robust job market out there for, for young people at this point in time. How are you dealing with that? And uh, has that, have you had to, to deal with that situation yet? 
Yeah, absolutely. We have a number of homes around the state that we call them our independent living plus homes. And those are for, for older youth, 16 to 21, who are preparing for adulthood. They have been in the foster care system most of their lives. Um, and our staff is there to teach the life skills to be successful. Um, and that's vital for those kids who, who haven't had that, that solid family foundation who are there for them as they venture into maybe the most difficult time of their life in, in being, being adults. Um, and so trying to stay ahead of that and make sure that they are taken care of in those homes and when they are living in, in foster family situations as well, you know, making sure that they have the resources that they need to continue their education, especially those older kids who are, who are looking to college, who are looking to graduate from high school, um, without the most solid foundation. That's, that's important. So getting tools in their hands, like iPads and laptops to connect to educational resources, but certainly, certainly each other and their friends. I think that's something that maybe people don't take as lightly anymore, given the sheltering in place circumstance that we all find ourselves in, is the need for not only connectivity, but entertainment and that release of such a stressful time that we're all going through. Adolescence, that's huge for them. And that connectivity to friends is huge for them and not something to be under undermined. So providing them those opportunities in a safe environment um, and largely through electronic devices, at least at this time, is something, we've, is something that we've really been focusing on. Uh, Kelly Dobner, my guest right now from Samaritas. Uh, another group of people that have sort of been talked a little bit about on, on the periphery of this, but that, that's new Americans and those looking to immigrate to the United States. Uh, Samaritas has been helping people with resettlement, uh, both uh, legal immigrants, refugees uh, who've come to this country. You've been working with these people for a long time. And obviously this has been a very, very strange time for the immigration system in this country. There's been a lot of changes, little different things that have been going on. This is throwing another uh, new wrinkle into that. How is that impacting what you're able to do to support these people who are trying to improve their lives in this country? It's been very difficult. While you said it, that you know, through travel bans and everything like that that we've been experiencing in the last couple of years, this is, um, this is a unique situation, but not... We're used to the we're used to the challenge in the in this way, and I'll say that the hundreds of refugees that are in our care right now, um, our work has escalated definitely to make sure that they understand one what's going on. We we still there are language barriers there, and to understand the situation and to understand that you have to shelter in place and what that means, and that that's a big barrier by itself. But, you know, the stimulus packages that a lot of us have, have been fortunate enough to receive, that population doesn't. And that, that's a big deal um, in, in having that safety net there to help you through this time. Because while that's happening, several of, several of the people in that population have lost their jobs during this. Um, a lot of those, those industries that have been put on hold or maybe shut down altogether have definitely impacted our refugee population. So now they're, they are here, they are struggling with employment, um, the language barrier, they have no stimulus package. 
and the, the, the small amount of support that they do receive covers food. It doesn't necessarily cover protective equipment, personal protective equipment or cleaning supplies or anything else that we all have been relying on as an additional layer of protection. So there's, there's a lot of work to be, to be done there and a lot of people to cover with a very um, bare-bones staff at this point in time. Well, Kelly, I mean, one thing that has happened throughout this is that, uh, you know, a number of, of cracks in the system have been exposed. Uh, we have seen which things work well, which things don't. Uh, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what you think would help uh, in, in a future situation like this. Uh, you know, obviously, Samaritas is finding a way through this financially. All these things you're doing cost money. But what could be improved to make it so that we could withstand this a little bit better? Oh, yeah, that is a loaded question, uh, Craig. You're, you're absolutely right. All these things that we're doing from appreciation pay for our frontline staff, PPE, uh, technology for telehealth and social connectivity and education, those come with a significant price tag that our organization was not uh, planning, certainly, to, to spend at this point in time like so many others. Um, you know, we also are too... We have too many employees to qualify for any CARES Act relief at this time. So we also are not um, experiencing any of that help um, like a lot of other people are at this, at this time. So those, those pose some, some significant challenges. So on that front, I would say if, if you are able to, to donate, that is a huge help um, in, in allowing us to continue the care that, 20,000 people across the state rely on us for every day, um, all year long. Um, Advocacy efforts, get in touch with your congressman and um, talk with them about different ways that they can, they can support relief acts for larger organizations, Um, you know, and, and different populations that we talked about, our refugee population, our children in foster care, certainly our seniors and providing more relief to our skilled nursing facilities because they're just as important. Um, Be a voice in all of this. And I I think that's one thing that gives me hope that I've seen through this crisis is, you know, people coming together as a people and, and, and exercising their, their voice for, for help. And, and doing it in a positive, a positive way is, is something that I, would, that I would strongly encourage. Well, Kelly, one last question for you, and, and I do appreciate your time today. I mean, you know, obviously the media likes to focus a little bit on some of the pushback that we are seeing in regards to stay-at-home orders and things along these lines. Have, have uh, you know, the families of, of the people in your care uh, been understanding of the things that you've had to put in place and the restrictions that you've got right now, and have they been supportive? Absolutely. We have wonderful families that, that we work with on a regular basis, and they have, they have not only understood why we've had to put things in place, but have embraced the different procedures and options um, that we have made available to them to still stay connected and move things forward from our, our families of our senior residents to our birth parents. Um, they have just been wonderful, wonderful folks to work with. Well, and lastly, I mean, you know, dealing with a crisis like this, I, I'm assuming that there are some things that you are going to do going forward that probably won't change. Uh, I, I don't want to suggest that, uh, you know, we use the cliche new normal, but 
I'm assuming there are procedures that are going to be in place that will be with us forever. Uh, what's going to happen over there that you think is a, a good change that will last? I think making everything mobile and doing things remotely, while, while I say so much of our work is based on face-to-face -face interaction, that's not going to change. That, that is critical. But being able to marry that and complement it with some of these ways that we can deliver services, sometimes more efficiently um, and, and, and more often, I could say, because of the accessibility, I think we're going to see this, this beautiful blend of face-to-face -face and telehealth, teleconnectivity um, to deliver services in a new and powerful way. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there for today, but we will check back in with you as we progress through this. Uh, Kelly Dobner, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Craig. Kelly Dobner of Samaritas joining us here on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. I appreciate you being with us today. A reminder, every Friday we do the week that was on Deadline Detroit. Usually it's Nancy Derringer, Alan Lengel, and myself and a special guest where we break down the big stories of the week. We've been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of views and a lot of uh, shares and likes for this kind of stuff. I do appreciate that very much. And if you like this program, subscribe to it, share it, let your friends know that we are doing it. It all helps keep this uh, up there for you and free, of course, which is important. I like making this available to anybody that wants to get it, and that's a big deal. So if you can like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, that makes that happen, and that's a very, very cool thing. You can send me an email, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me, but you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, uh, even on Snapchat if you want. I'm not there very often, but uh, I am there. So you can find me and uh, let me know what you're thinking, what you want me to talk about, what you need me to cover, some things that maybe I haven't thought of. All of that stuff is welcome, and I love getting your feedback. So we'll be back again shortly. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk again soon. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.